let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. KFI AM640, you're listening to The John and Ken Show on demand on the iHeartRadio app. I'm back today, and... I'll tell you what took me away yesterday, coming up later on in the hour, but it was the dreaded jury duty, and thank God it didn't even last a day. In fact, it didn't even last but a few hours. Good news. And they actually had it better organized than I thought they would. But we'll get to that a bit later on. Of course, the big news this afternoon, which broke with the 12 o'clock news conference from Coast Guard officials, is that the story is, well, now pretty much over concerning the missing submersible. This is a company called OceanGate which sends these miniature submarine-type vessels down to look at things underwater. In this case, it was the wreckage of the Titanic. And this submersible was called the Titan with five people on board. The story that broke this morning was that they found some debris, and it was just a matter of hours before they were able to confirm that that debris, of course, came from the submersible, which probably imploded. How long after it went down? And that was Sunday, by the way, in case you're interested. Sunday is when uh, they started to descent to the wreck early Sunday morning. Let's bring on Alex Stone, ABC News for KFI, who's covered the story and, of course, uh, monitored the press conference from just over an hour ago. Alex. Hey there, Ken. And, uh, yeah, I mean, th- this was the, the most likely scenario all throughout this, that, that, yeah, they had to work as if what if they were alive and living on the the bottom of the ocean for four or five days. What if they came back up and they were bobbing around and uh, just were were out of communication? There were a lot of what ifs. And a lot of them were, what if this happened and this happened and this happened that allowed them to be in this spot? 
Whereas the most likely scenario from the beginning was they imploded. The, the, the pressure of the ocean was too much, and there was a weakness in the, the capsule. Uh, and then, uh, again, like we've been describing, and not to get too graphic, but like an empty soda can, squishing in. Uh, like you have it in your hand and you squish it in, that uh, it would have been very quick. And that's what they believe happened likely on Sunday. They've had a lot of sonar buoys in the water. They haven't heard any implosion, so not like they survived and they were on the bottom and then eventually it gave way. They think they were looking at Titanic or close to it. Uh, and then in that moment on Sunday that that it gave way. But the update a few minutes ago, they said this. The debris is consistent with the catastrophic loss of the pressure chamber. Upon this determination, we immediately notified the families. That's uh, Rear Admiral John Mauger there. Uh, so they found it 13,000 feet down, uh, just uh, a, a little ways away from Titanic itself. Uh, they uh, believe that it was probably very quick the way that it went, that it gave way, and uh, they may never recover any of the bodies. The ROVs will remain on scene and continue to gather information. Again, our most heartfelt condolences go out to the loved ones of the crew. And they say that uh, teams are beginning going to begin uh, wrapping up now. They're going to begin heading home and the next 24 hours. They're going to keep rovers in the water to just to map out the debris field if they find any remains then they would uh, handle that then but uh, they're going to begin going home and one more for you paul hankin an underwater expert salvage expert working uh, with the rovers today explained what they found the initial thing we found was the nose cone which was outside of the pressure hull um, we then found a large debris field at ocean gave that company that you were talking about ken uh, they put out a statement saying they now believe all five on board are gone their website was immediately taken down or went offline. That's not been available today. So it is a, it's a sad ending, but but from the, the start, the one that looked like probably the, the most likely, and, and now they know they're all gone. So it's it's likely they imploded not long after they lost contact. Is that, yeah, is, that, that it was uh, pretty soon thereafter. And Now, remember, as, as we've been talking about in recent days, it was common for them to lose contact. That was not unusual that uh, people who had been on these dives down to the Titanic and even other places where they would go, that typically they would lose contact. So there was this eight-hour window from when they lost contact to when they reported them gone, thinking that they were going to come back, that they always do, that yeah, typically they would lose contact for a while and then come back into comms as they were coming back up and everything was fine. Uh, but then they realized it wasn't. But whether they had notified the, the Coast Guard right away or eight hours, yet yeah, probably didn't matter if it, if it was immediate. Now, what about the investigation into this and the future of this company? Yeah, we don't know. Um, the, the Coast Guard today said they'll deal with that, that they will investigate what went on here. There have been a lot of claims made. Uh, there was one today by a guy who helped make this thing and talked about that they allegedly, according to him, did things on the cheap. Um, and then there are the ex-employees, one of them who sued, saying that, that when he brought up issues with the carbon fiber, that it could rip uh, a lot like an airplane where you pressurize and depressurize so many times that he was worried about that it would go undetected and rip between the, the layers uh, of titanium. Um, but then he was fired for bringing that up. They settled out of court. Um, yeah, Boeing and University of Washington and NASA, they've been separating themselves, saying that they didn't play a role in, 
in this NASA saying they gave a little bit of help on design early on, but that they didn't build it, they didn't test it. Boeing saying it had nothing to do with this capsule. University of Washington, which they had been quoted as from the company as having a role in this, they say they didn't either. So can the company survive? Uh, who knows? But uh, as of today, no website, and uh, and they know that uh, that the the five aren't coming back, so uh, we don't know what's going to go on with them. Yeah, I mean, if indeed it did implode, you wonder about the maintenance records and exactly what they do to check these submersibles after they send them down each time. What people probably don't realize, Alex, and I know you do, is going to this kind of depth in the ocean. And I heard the Coast Guard official say it every time he's asked a question. This is incredibly complex. And this is, of course, a very dangerous thing to do. It is dark. Uh, it is murky down there. It is cold down there. Communications don't work without a tether going all the way down there. The pressure is absolutely incredible um, that even titanium and carbon fiber was not enough. And you know, quite often the, when uh, sea explorers will go down, that they're in a capsule that may be used once or a couple of times. They were using this like a, well, was a commercial venture in the sense of, you know, pay money and you could go down and see Titanic. They had done, I think, 25, somewhere around 25 of the, the trips down there, um, that, that it was being used over and over again. So if what the security concern of that ex-employee was of uh, pressurizing, depressurizing, pressurizing, depressurizing, filling it up like a balloon, and then whoops, you get a rip in the carbon fiber, that's something they're going to have to figure out. But is it safe to be doing it like this? I mean, this this may be proof, no. And this was quite a rescue attempt. Was it at least three countries? I saw Canada, France, and the U.S. all involved in this. Yeah, the U.K. as well. A lot of money. We don't know, uh, you know, technically who pays for it, although the, the individual countries will, will handle it. But uh, there were a lot of resources that, that came into it. All right, Alex, thank you very much for that report. You got it. Welcome back from jury duty. Alex Stone, ABC News for KFI, covering, of course, since this unfolded Sunday is when we first got word that this submersible was missing after contact uh, with the ship that was monitoring it uh, ceased. They apparently would text each other, which is kind of bizarre. But uh, and as everyone said, the first day or so, that's not unusual. Sometimes they do lose contact for hours, which led everyone to believe that they could be alive and then it was this countdown as to how much oxygen they had left. And then the drama was even if they pop to the surface, they have to be pulled out of there because it's bolted from the outside. But it looks like, and I read this the first day or so from one of the experts who said, I, I have a feeling that the whole thing imploded and there may be no hope. So it was British billionaire Hamish Harding, French Titanic expert Paul-Henri Nargalet, the OceanGate CEO Stockton Rush, and then the Pakistani businessman, his name is Shazada Dawood, and his 19-year-old son, Suleiman, are the five that apparently perished on the submersible. More coming up. Johnny Ken Show, KFI AM 640. We're live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. Of course, if you don't hear the show live, it is airs 1 to 4 o'clock. You can pick it up on demand after 4 o'clock at KFIAM640.com. Also, the iHeartRadio app. Just download Johnny Ken on demand. Uh, quick note, the Moist line is returning tomorrow, and there's plenty of room because it's been a super short week with the Monday holiday, and then I was out yesterday. Uh, 1-877-MOIST-86, 1-877-664-7886. 
You can also use the iHeart Radio app to connect to the Moist Line with the microphone icon. Of course, uh, the big story, as it has been for days, is the submersible. Although, you know, I'm sure there are people asking the question, why this much attention on this story? Wealthy people who took a huge risk in a vessel like this to go two and a half miles down into the Atlantic to look at the Titanic wreckage. But, you know, it's still a loss of life. I was reminded of those stories when, uh, you know, we get the missing hiker without the phone and, uh, and he gets lost or he does have a phone. He just calls and tries to get rescued and they send out all sorts of equipment and uh, aircraft to try to save that person. A uh, couple of notes from this. The wife of the Ocean Gate CEO, his name is Stockton Rush. Her name is Wendy Rush. He, of course, was piloting the submersible that disappeared when the dive of the wreckage. She's actually a descendant of two first-class passengers who died when the Titanic sunk in the year 1912. She's the great-great-granddaughter of a retailing magnate by the name of Isidore Strauss. He was on the Titanic with his wife, Ida, for this voyage. And he was co-owner of Macy's Department Store. And if you did see the 1997 film Titanic by James Cameron, well, there was a depiction of them embracing in bed as the waters rose around their cabin. Although that may be fiction, others say it looks like they were standing arm-in-arm arm on the Titanic's deck as the ship went down, but I guess Cameron decided it would be more romantic to put them in bed. Uh, he, the husband, refused uh, a place on the lifeboat is also the story we get from survivors and decided uh, she wouldn't go because he wouldn't go, so they stayed together and went down on the Titanic. And, of course, as was depicted in the film, there was a lot of wealthy people on that ship for that voyage across the Atlantic. Now, this, of course, brings up the question, and it was a pretty good story this afternoon in the, in the Daily Mail, about how wealthy people, because uh, most of their fortunes are safe and they're only getting richer, are seeking bigger and bigger thrills. Their lives, according to a top psychologist, are probably fairly mundane. So they use some of their wealth to seek out excitement and as we talked about this the other day deborah mark i would not go down in a 22 foot submersible two and a half miles to look at the wreckage of anything no i'd let find alone my... the most famous ship that yeah. ever sunk i'd get my thrills elsewhere for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars is what it costs to do that and then of course the other one is the ones that go into space as you know, you can spend a lot of money, but if you and eventually they're going to have space tourism. You're not going to do that either, are oh, you? Oh God, no! You know what? I want to go on an African safari. I'll spend a lot of money on that when I can afford it. Not not well, any of these, yeah. because those are expensive. African uh, uh, safaris, they are, but they right? make those pretty safe. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I'm saying that I would spend money on something like that to be kind of. That's my idea of wild and crazy. Yeah. Not not these daredevil type of trips. Right, you'd sit there the whole night in the tent, worried that a lion's going to come. And right, that's what I'm saying. So that that's my that's my level of excitement and danger. <laughs> yeah, the psychologist said uh, there's a bunch of hormones that get released from people, the endorphins and everything, and everybody uh, who feels uh, bored sometimes feels the need to take these kinds of risks. Uh, in the story, is also depicted people who skydive over Mount Everest. No. Uh, hurtling to earth at astronomical speed. 
They're equipped with specialized military and parachute equipment, including an oxygen mask to keep them alive during that high-altitude adventure. Of course, it points out the British multi-millionaire Richard Branson, who, of course, would you ever get in a hot air balloon? No. No. no I, I might. Really? I might. I, I might do that, yeah. The only thing I ever did, that uh, mildly risky parasailing. Oh, yeah, I did that. That was probably the most terrifying thing I have ever done. I was, oh, my God. I did it in Hawaii. I was nervous at first, ago. but once I was up there, I really got into it. Oh, you the did? The only thing I didn't like was the landing. I, oh, I, had to, I had to land on a boat, which was a little tricky. Yeah, I did, too. Yeah, and they want you to try to land with not on your butt, but try to land on just quick standing, which I managed to do. I was very impressed with oh, myself. But wow. that did make me nervous for a while. This was in Florida, looking at the world from, from that high up. I had never done that before. I've also rappelled off of a waterfall in Costa Rica, but parasailing oh. was a little scarier, I think. I was going to ask if you guys would do zip lining or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, I've done zip lining. I did do zip lining in Canada, in fact, uh, up in the Canadian Rockies, not far from where they had the Olympics years ago in Calgary. Mm, nice. They, it was after the Olympics. It was during the summer, and I did zip lining. Uh, again, the only thing that bothered me about zip lining is actually stepping off the platform and going. <laughs> Once you get going, there's nothing frightening about it. But you look down, and you're like, am I really going to do this? And you just don't feel like there's anything that's going to hold you up. And you're just looking at that uh, contraption you get yourself into, and you get get really nervous about that. But that's... Probably the only things I have done that would even... I, I, people have asked me if I would ever do skydiving. I uh, I was going to just ask you that. Would you? No, I have friends that did bungee jumping. Oh, God. No, I wouldn't do that either. No, those aren't ex as expensive as what, what, what these billionaires are into. In fact, I got a press release today that America's 10 richest people, listen to this, are worth more than 106 poorest countries of the world combined. There's a stat for you. Wow. Uh, who do you think is number one, Deborah Mark? Bezos. Just, just ahead of him is? Elon Musk. E Elon, yeah, Elon Musk. They say that as of June, he is one of the, he is, of course, the top uh, wealthiest person in the United States. $180 billion he's supposedly worth. Then Bezos with a net worth of $114 billion. And you can see these two are in competition to go into space. That, mm. That's the exciting thing right now. More than, I think... That would lead the way more than seeing the wreckage of the Titanic. The idea of going to another planet or going far into space, I think, holds the most appeal for the, the wealthiest people. Uh, after that is um, Larry Ellison of Oracle with $107 billion, And then Warren Buffett and Bill Gates are in fourth and fifth place. But, but I didn't Michael Bloomberg. He just spends his money trying to get us to stop eating fatty foods and uh, <laughs> smoking and all the rest of that. But I, you, it's just interesting to see that if you just take the, the combined wealth of these 10 people, it's more than uh, the 106 poorest countries on the planet. But, you know, billionaires need their thrills, too, don't they? All right. When we come back, we're going to be talking to Blake Trolley, KFI News, for the latest on the drama at City Council concerning the recently charged City Council member Curran Price, who did speak out yesterday afternoon and says he does not want to be suspended and he's going to beat this and he's innocent. We'll get the latest from Blake. Johnny Ken Show, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. 
They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Michael Rappaport, and my wife, Kibi Rappaport, starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. A reminder, tomorrow we're coming back around with the Moist Line, and it's another short week, so there's room for your messages just grab the iHeartRadio app and leave your message through the microphone icon for the John and Ken voice line or call the toll-free number. We're happy to take your messages. Don't know that we'll play them, but go ahead. Give it a shot. one 866 1-877-664-7886. Coming up after 2 o'clock, the Attorney General Rob Bonta decided to hold a big news event about organized retail theft. And it's important that you hear the word Organized. He's worried about these large gangs that organize shoplifting ventures and make a lot of money off of it. Didn't seem to care too much about the ordinary shoplifting that's going on, but we're going to talk about this with a state assemblyman who thinks it all comes back to Prop 47. Of course, he's a Republican and doesn't get much response from the supermajority of Democrats in Sacramento, but we'll take a shot at it coming up after 2 o'clock on the John and Ken Show. Well, the drama continues with Los Angeles City Council member Curran Price. Will he be suspended because he's been charged with corruption? And I want to point out again, these charges come from the L.A. County District Attorney, George Gascon. It's not this federal case again where they can cite this amorphous racism and systematic. It's from Gascon, who's coming after a black politician in the city of L.A., a man who's been in politics a long time and is very powerful. 
he was uh, president pro tem of the of the city council. Well, the word we're hearing is they're going to go very slowly towards the idea of suspending current price. Let's bring on Blake Trolley. KFI News has been following this story with the latest on this. Yeah, Ken, very slowly is correct. Tomorrow, a city council committee is expected to take a vote on whether or not to even send this to the full city council for its vote. This is a three-person city council committee. On it is council president Paul Krikorian. He introduced the motion to have the vote to suspend price. On it as well as councilman Marquise Harris-Dawson. He's questioned the charges saying, you know, he thought these might warn an ethics violation, but maybe not a felony. And the third member of this is councilman Hugo Soto-Martinez. So it's going to be really interesting to see what this committee decides tomorrow. Does this committee decide to send this to the full floor or does this committee decide to squash this and not allow the whole city council to vote on it? I've asked other city council teams if the committee doesn't send this to the floor, what the options would be. I'm still waiting to hear back, but it doesn't sound like a whole lot. So now begs the question, is Councilman Price going to even face a full city council suspension vote by the full city council today. Uh, again, this committee tomorrow deciding on this. Councilman Price yesterday sent an, uh, a letter to the city council or released a statement asking that he's not suspended. He's calling the charges against him unwarranted. He's saying that the uh, attacks on his wife's reputation are unfair. Again, this all over a pay-to-play scheme. And he's saying that he thinks the court is going to find that these charges are are no good. So he's asking the city council to allow him to stay on. Part of this as well as he's arguing that it will affect people negatively in his district if he's removed. Today, a large group of people from Councilman Price's uh, district, a, a large group of supporters, people of that nature, came out to support Price, came out to urge city leaders tomorrow to not send this to the full council for a vote. Uh, and what we're seeing here, too, Ken, is the same thing I've been talking about, hesitation around this. We said this was likely going to be a battle. I think we're going to head into that today. I was at an event uh, where Karen Bass was, Mayor Bass, and uh We'll go to bite one. Even she's being hesitant when questioned mm -hmm. if she supports his uh, removal. You know, let me just say that um, I support the council's deliberative process. And the council <laughs> is having a meeting tomorrow in which to decide that. And I think that we need to learn some lessons for how these situations were handled in the past, where action was taken very quickly and then it led to many unintended consequences so standing here next to the president of the city council who i have complete confidence in i'm going to see and follow the council's actions do you want to I yeah, actually nice tried careful answer. Yeah. <laughs> and I tried to follow that up with the same question to see if you asked twice because right. another reporter had asked if she had changed her answer and she didn't. Uh, Council President Krikorian today had a chance to catch up with him and he didn't change his stance. He says he wants to hear argument before making any decisions on this. And, you know, my interpretation of a lot of this is, you know, he's council president. And he's in touch with all of these city council members. He feels out the room and I think he's anticipating some sort of battle. So he doesn't want to get into the middle of it just yet. Uh, but he did express some frustrations with uh, D.A. Gascon. As you know, Ken, 
Gascon, this is a huge story to not hold a press conference on. I mean, that that's undeniable. That I mean, is true. Right. He should take questions. He should take questions. He should uh, paint a clear picture. I, I believe that as a reporter, and that's something that's frustrating city council members as well. Uh, if we go to bite three, here's Krikorian expressing that he's upset with the way this uh, has all been rolled out. We have seen zero evidence in support of these charges, unlike in past situations where there's been a vast amount of evidence that was made public before the charges were even filed. We don't have on that. Do you wish that the DA had held a press conference, had made himself more available? I do. I would like to know much more about what's behind all of this. Frankly, I, I'm the president of the city council. I wasn't even given a heads up. So if there were some risk by Mr. Price's continuing to be an active member of the council, if that were true, I would think that the district attorney would have given the president of the council a heads up so I could take some steps. He reached out to you at all? Has Gascon reached out to you at all? Zero. No contact whatsoever. And we're, we're, by the way, we're going to talk about that, Stooge, in about an hour with Daniel Gus in the <laughs> Gus Report. That's Paul Krikorian <laughs> acting so shocked over all this. The only thing I see, Blake, is Tiffany Blacknell, the director of Gascon's Bureau of Communications, and she's one of these people he brought in from like a public defender position activist. Uh, who just said, well, if it was a violation of ethics, we would have sent it to the Fair Political Practice Commission, but we decided a crime had been committed. So there she's disputing what some people are asking is, did this rise to the level of a felony? But again, Ken, I agree with Krikorian on this one, just as a reporter. Reporters want to know more about this. This is a major story to just release a press release and say, okay, you know, and and move on from. I think this is something we all want a clear picture on. But the, the evidence as they're citing, he voted, right, for these deals that involved his wife's consultancy. So that's on the record. That's not hard to dig up and prove. That's true. I mean, the evidence... And then the, 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 health, evidence, the, the medical benefits that this woman that may not have been his wife at the time got, that's also pretty easy to look up and prove. So That's true. I mean, a voting record a voting record is a voting record, and money given to a firm is money given to a firm. So when you're able to say, well, money was given to his wife's consulting firm, he voted this way, that way, yeah, that is pretty straightforward. But I still think it would have helped at least... Uh, for Gascon's, you know, point, especially as people are starting to question these charges, it would allow Gascon to have a, a stronger position on on bringing on these criminal charges. Yeah, and I heard that the city controller Kenneth Mejia says if he is suspended, they're not going to pay him. You know, that was interesting, Ken. That seemed like I was about to touch on that. That seemed like a battle that the city wasn't going to want to initially take when we first heard about this. But as people pointed to, Mejia actually backed uh, and and was not for the reinstating of the pay for Mark Ridley Thomas. He actually backed that move and said that the city charter allows for that. Because, again, that was, you know, when we look at the the case with Ridley Thomas, that was a settlement to reinstate his pay. I think this is a battle Mejia is going to want to take. I've reached out to his office to confirm if that's something that... He will, in fact, do. I haven't heard back, but people are c- citing his position when it came to Ridley Thomas. So we can expect that that may be the way that uh, he wants to lean on this one. All right. So you'd be covering this committee as they look into this tomorrow. Yeah, we'll be watching closely. It's going to be, uh, like I said, it's going to be interesting to uh, to see where it goes. I, I I think that any reporter watching this right now is is saying it's, it could go either way. All right, Blake, thank you very much for that report. All right, thanks, Ken. It's Blake Froley, KFI News, covering the current price drama at City Hall. The city council member has stepped away from his duties, but he's not suspended. That's something that a committee will take up tomorrow, and then they may or may not refer it to the full council for a vote on to whether or not to suspend him. Again, 10 felony counts, perjury, embezzlement, violation of the conflict of interest laws. He should be suspended. 
And let's just state this for what it is, because he is a black city council member and they already lost Mark Ridley Thomas. They're going very slow and they're walking on eggshells because they don't want to rush to judgment. And on Price's end, he'd like to keep getting paid. It's a significant amount of salary you're going to get from city council. You can put it towards your defense fund. As I mentioned, next hour, the guy that knows all this stuff inside and out, Daniel Gus with the Gus Report, we'll talk to him about price and also about that Paul Krikorian stooge you heard in there, the city council president, who, of course, when the charges came out last week, was shocked, shocked, even though Price's votes are on the record. And I think it was well known that his wife was involved with a consultancy that dealt with some of these city deals. But, you know, play the game. Johnny Ken, KFI, AM 640. We're live everywhere. The iHeartRadio app. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. Reminder that tomorrow the moist line returns. So there's room for you to leave a message if you want to be heard at around 320 and 350. You uh, call the moist line number 1-877-MOIST-86, 1-877-664-7886. Or leave your message through the iHeartRadio app. It's easy to do. Look for the microphone icon. A lot of people leave it there. Nice, clear message for the John and Ken moist line. Of course, the big story is that the submersible that they've been looking for for days apparently did implode. Underwater debris looks like it floated around. They recovered some of the debris and they are quite certain that uh, they confirmed that uh, all five people who were on board the Titan, it was called, Ocean Gate is the company, submersible where they went to look at the Titanic wreckage. Uh, they did not survive any of that. So we'll have more details on that throughout the show as they become available. And you know, Deborah Mark, I thought of you the other night. Oh, you did? Well, I was watching, uh, I think it's Food Network, a show called Chopped. Oh, I haven't seen that. Well, it's a lot of meat. It's a good one. Well, it's a competitive cooking show. <laughs> right. And the reason I thought of you was they had, what they do is they, they give them sort of a box of mystery ingredients. They open the box and they have to create dishes out of the ingredients in the box. Uh-huh. I tuned in late, but I thought of you and I said, oh, I'm not a vegan, but is that necessary? You know what one of the ingredients was? What? I'd never heard of this before. Camel hump fat. Oh, God. Are you serious? I, now, what do you need that for? I, they, well, they threw it in there as a curve to see what they could do with it. You see, that sometimes well, there's an unusual item. But what do that you they, do with that? Oh, well, God. fat. Most fat tastes good, right? No. Camel hump fat. No. No. But I'm like, who would think of that? And what do you do? Slice the, oh, oh. the camel die of oh, natural geez. causes? Are they are they slicing off the humps and squeezing out the fat? Oh, gross, Ken. No, I was kind of on your side. Thank but you. that was a little extreme. <laughs> but then it's always interesting to see they make the dish and they and the, the, the judges ask now, what did you do with the camel hump fat? And they explain how they. I'm going to barf, I swear, right now. My stomach is so upset. Yeah, so sure, I need a dish with camel hump fat. But it just sounds good. Uh, yeah, yesterday I was gone. Uh, here's, how it, here's how it went. Back in April, I got the old notice for jury duty. And I know a lot of listeners are going to say, yes, throw it in the trash. You know, I, The criminal justice system is such a fraud and such a mess. Why not respond? So... What happened was the week of my jury duty was a week I was taking a trip, so I postponed. And I looked at the calendar, and I saw, hmm, Monday, June 19th is a federal holiday. No court. I'll take that week. (laughs) Right? 
So I postpone it, and then they remind me that my jury duty's coming up. They did it on Friday. So I looked again over the weekend, and it said, oh, you don't even have to report on Tuesday, June 20th. Don't even call in because they're not really doing anything. And I thought, all right, escape day one. And I called up Tuesday night. Mm. Not only did I have to report, I had to report at 8 a.m. And I said, well, wait a minute. I did the little online orientation. They usually let you come later. So I was hunting around trying to figure out an answer to that. 8 a.m., that's so early because I get downtown. It's going to take like an hour and a half with the stupid traffic in the morning. And I did leave just after 6.30. So I get there and it's the usual cattle call. Everybody's standing there. This is the criminal courts building in downtown Los Angeles. Not a place I wanted to go because immediately after I got out of my car and parked, I had to escape the, the, the homeless on the sidewalks. There were tents just everywhere around the building. And uh, all I wanted to do was walk around the block. In fact, after I got done with jury duty, I said, maybe I'll go look for somewhere to eat. I think there's something called the Grand Central Market. Oh, got a yeah. bunch of food. And then I said, I got like one block and I said, I don't want to. I had to walk onto the street a couple of times because the, the tents were taking up the whole sidewalk. I said, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to bother with that. So the good news about this ordeal, because when I did this six years ago, I was there the whole day till four o'clock. So I prepared myself with that. You know, you bring your iPad, you bring all your reading materials, you sit bored in the chair, and you just wait. And at 9.15, they made an announcement for the first pool of jurors. And my name was not announced. And it came with all sorts of uh, uh, modifiers the judge put out. There are, there's a bunch of reasons where if you cannot serve, just tell us and say no financial hardship, child care issues, things like that. So, but my name didn't get called. I had mixed feelings about that because mm -hmm. they told that group, you have to come back next Wednesday at 9.15. You're not necessarily a juror, but you can leave. And I was like, oh, I wish I could leave. But then I have to come back in a week. Oh, but I may be here till four o'clock. So 40 minutes later, the woman comes out and makes the big announcement that there were basically two big cases today. The first one we called a potential pool of jurors, and they, I told you about all the names. The second one pled out. We're done. Ooh. Yeah. And the way they do it, she said, now, wait a minute. Some of you were told to report at 945. I'm not talking to you. This is the 8 o'clock group. <laughs> I said, oh, then I got lucky reporting at 8 because the 945 people have to probably hang around for potential more trials. They don't get to leave like we do. But I was just sitting oh. there and I'm thinking, oh, that is so cool. And by... The 11, I was out of there. You're so. so lucky. I have a summons, so July 10th is when I'm supposed to go in. I have to call, or and I did the, yeah, I already the, did the online day, right? training, or not training, but orientation. orientation right? yeah. If you I fill did. that out first, you can come in later, allegedly. But I just figure no one's going to want me. I, I, I'm a, a news anchor in L.A. on the John and Ken show. I mean, really? You guys are going to want me? So I, Oh, I'm, I'm sure during questioning, you'll be... I'll be booted. You'll be disallowed. Yeah, same thing probably would have happened to me. I, I've never... Have you ever gotten to that point? Nope. You never. know, John did once in Beverly Hills, I think, and... He basically said who he was, and that was that. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> I have never gotten to the point of being interviewed for a trial. And, and and I think they did it better this time because what they did is they brought in a large group of people at 8 a.m. for just two trial situations, and one was resolved, and the other one they announced names, and they said go. And then they brought in another group probably. Because I think what they used to do is just bring in a mass of people, no matter how many cases they had going, and they'd make you wait around all day to see how they resolve. So I think they came up with, I think, I don't know. Well, I'll let you know because I'm going to be in the same position in a couple weeks. But the woman was actually funny that was running this thing because when she was reading the names at the end, she said, all you have to do is say here and go up front, turn in your paperwork, and you'll be given a slip that you did your jury duty and you leave. So she started reading the names. 
And some people would go, yes, here. A couple people were going, no. She goes, why are you saying no? This is just to determine if you're here. And <laughs> she goes, all kinds of people. She kept repeating. I've run into all kinds of people. And some just do not get it. And those are and the people all, you want on the jury, right? <laughs> and then I have to admit, we sat there because she said, well, if you said yes, your name was called, leave. Go to the front. I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Let's just leave. Because <laughs> if you walk up to me and say, do I have to report tomorrow? I'm actually going to say yes, because you deserve that for being that stupid, <laughs> for not following simple instructions. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about shoplifting. And the uh, Attorney General for the state of California, Rob Bonta, held a big news event. Ooh, he calls it an unprecedented agreement with large retailers. Right. Uh, we're going to talk about this with a state assembly member who would rather focus on the real evil, Prop 47. John and Ken, KFI, AM640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. Deborah Mark has the news now. Hey, you've been listening to The John and Ken Show. You can always hear us live on KFI AM640, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. every Monday through Friday, and, of course, anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 